0: morning, everyone. How's it going? Uh, You guys enjoy having Amy's mom up here today, all the way from Arkansas. That was cool. Well, uh, Lisa and I just got back from a uh, cruise to Mexico. We were celebrating our silver anniversary, so that's 25 years. And uh, so that was fun. We enjoyed it. Yep. And uh, we had a good time uh, out there. It was a lot more relaxing than I thought it would be because we don't gamble and don't drink you know it's like hey let's just hang you know and, and we really didn't have internet except for uh, FaceTime and stuff like that to be able to communicate back home um, so we just kind of unplugged and uh, and so that was that was great. Hey let me pray for you guys as we get started. Lord we just give you thanks today for your grace your mercy God thanks for um, just this church community the the families that continue to come the, the single uh, people that come and are part of What's happening here? Are those who have been divorced, God. Those who are married, God. Those who have kids. Those who have kids that have gone out of the home. Those who, um, God, uh, have have are not able to have children. I mean, God, just everybody, everybody. We're just so thankful that you brought us all together here, in one place to worship, to celebrate, and to really give you thanks for who you are. And God, we just today pray that you would help us continue to figure out ways to build bridges to connect in humility with others and we ask this in jesus name amen well this is the last weekend of our series called disconnect and and here we are in a seemingly connected world we're more connected than ever globally really through the internet through social media and yet never have we been more disconnected personally i mean when i was in high school and junior high you know what we did to communicate with somebody we were interested in we wrote notes. You guys remember that? Some of you guys are like I don't know what you're talking about. But we like used paper and pencil or pen and we wrote on it and then we made it like in the shape of a football and we handed it over in the middle of like class or some other time. And then that would it that would involve then a conversation and then eventually you know if you really got to this level it would involve like phone calls like Some of you guys are like I don't know what he's doing but hey, look it up, you know it used to be that way. And then we would have interpersonal conversation. I know it's hard to believe, guys. It really is hard to believe. But this is what happened. And what we have today is like a lot of connection, but a lot of disconnection. In other words, we're more connected than ever, and yet it seems like interpersonally, we're more disconnected. That's why we, we, re- we really did this series over last month. What does it mean to be connected through authenticity, being real with each other, through simplicity, making sure that as we're in relationship that we Take time away from all the busyness of life so that we can focus on building those relationships. And what does it mean to have hospitality once again, where we actually say, look, I don't care what my living room looks like, just come visit with me, all right? Just come to my home, I want to have you over so that we can have conversation and meaningful connection. And so that's what this series has been about. And today we're going to look at a really familiar story, and it is probably the most familiar story in the Bible called the Good Samaritan. And it's one of those stories that even those people who've never gone to church, they're familiar with this story, all right? And it's a story about how one individual built a bridge across really social barriers against um, really racial barriers, and they were able to build a bridge to someone that was different than them, someone that was even known to kind of be their enemy so that they might be able to help them and to serve someone in, in humility. Uh, last night, how many of you were here last night at the event that we had at Axis Church? Raise your hand. If you have never gone to this event, uh, you should really make it a priority, maybe an annual tradition. For the last two years, we have met together with the Persian community, the Iranian-American community here in, uh, in, in our city. And a few years ago, the owner of our building, Muhammad, he started a, a community of people from the Persian community, those who were from Iran who came to the United States. And they came out of a difficult situation, and they came to the United States for freedom, and they came to, for what we offer here in this country. And, and so they offer scholarships to the students who are coming over to study. They offer uh, bridge relationships so that they can make it easier for Iranian students to come over here. And a lot of the children of these families uh, are often really persecuted because American uh, children don't know how to handle... Uh, these other children, and they feel like maybe, oh, they're from Iran, maybe they're they're terrorists or, or things like this, and so there's a lot of misunderstanding, and a lot of the individuals in the Persian community are going through very difficult time right now because in their country, if you've read on the news at all, they are really in turmoil right now. The people are protesting and wanting freedom, and yet uh, those in the government are, are, I mean, actually shooting and killing people in the streets. They are they are that against what they are protesting, and so because of that, um, there is a lot of hurt within that community as well today, and so they've been meeting our church uh, over the last probably five or six years. They come on Sunday night, I mean on Saturday night, and about once a month, and they have a poetry reading, and they have uh, music that's really uh, uh, festive and fun, and they come together to celebrate with one another um, their unity and bringing them together, and so two years ago we built relationships with the leaders of this group over the last several years and and uh, two years ago they came to us and said we would love to have a joint thanksgiving service together and i said that man that would be very very thanksgiving original thanksgiving-ish you know what i mean like because we're you know it's kind of like the pilgrims and the indians it's kind of like two people from different cultures coming together and that would be a lot of fun and they said listen we'll tell our story you tell your story We'll share our purpose. You share your purpose. We'll play our music. You play your music. And I was like, you do know our music is kind of kind of like about Jesus, right? I mean, because why? Because they're not a religious community. It, they're not intended to be that. Most Iranians do believe in God. They have faith. But many of them are agnostic. They think that God is unknowable. And And, and, and besides that, for many of them, their their religion is tied to their government and right now their government who has tied that religion together is really a religion of oppression and so they they sort of rebel against that and so it's not that they don't have faith it's just that they think that god is unknowable and so here we are coming together we did it last year we did it again this year and what they don't understand is that we have an opportunity then to really just weave the gospel through the entire evening. And that's what happens. We come together for dinner. And then after dinner, uh, I have the opportunity to share our story. And they say, share the Acts's story. And so what's your purpose? I mean, what a setup. I'm like, well, our purpose is to to be different. It's not about religion. Because a lot of bad things are done in the name of religion. It's about a relationship. Jesus said that we should love God and love people. That's really what it's all about. And so we try to lead with love. And this is how we do that. So the gospel shared. And then Jonathan gets up, who's really a bridge between this community and our community because, because he actually speaks Farsi. You know, that's what he learned in the Navy. And, and he's, he's fluent in it. And they enjoy him. And he's part of the group. And, and because of that, he gets up and talks about humanity, what builds us together, you know. And, and he starts to share this. And then he shares, I mean, really, love God and love people. We didn't even talk about it. It's the same thing. They're hearing the gospel. Then they get up and they play festive music, and it's fun, and it's everybody's dancing, you know, and all this. I'm like, man, Access Church has a lot to learn, you know. I mean, like, they're like really into it, you know. And then, and then after that, um we get back up and we have our time of worship, and, and we're singing worship songs. And then after that, Scott and Holly Gibson get up and they share their story, and I'm going to share a little bit of that here in a little while, but. Uh, of how they lost their daughter nine months ago, and he says at the end that he knows he's going to see her again because of their faith in Jesus. The gospel was interwoven through the entire thing, and we all are at the end singing together, I raise a hallelujah, just like we sang here earlier, in an effort to say that in the good times of the bad, we're going to praise. Now, why do we do that? We do that because the example of Jesus who said that we should be those who build bridges. We should be those who, despite differences, we look for things that bring us together. We look for ways to elevate one another. And this story really is about that. And while it's going to be on the screen, I I would prefer to just tell it to you. It's really a story about an individual who comes to Jesus and says this, How do I inherit eternal life? Now think about even that question, how do I inherit? An inheritance is what? It's something you're given. It's not something you earned. It's not something you did something for. It's just something you were given. Why? Because you were born into that family. And the, the, the question in of itself is different. How do I inherit? What do I do to inherit eternal life? Hmm. And Jesus just says, well, and he tells a story. He says, I want to tell you how. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, you answered cor- correctly, the man said. And, and Jesus uh, said, do that and you will live. But then the man wanted to justify his behavior. And he says, okay, well then, Jesus, who is my neighbor? In other words, I want to know, can you define for me who I'm supposed to love? And at that, then Jesus tells this story, and it will be on the side, but here's what it is. You know the story. There's a man who's walking down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and here's what happens to him. He falls, falls upon robbers. That's interesting. Really, robbers just attack him. They strip him, they leave him for dead, they beat him. Then, a little while later, some individuals walk by this guy who's left for dead. And, and not, they just aren't just normal, regular old people. They're religious leaders who actually walk by. Jesus is making a point there, but he's like, the religious leaders, even themselves, are like, nope, don't have time for that. And so the man's left for dead, but then the one who helps him is called a Samaritan. That's the reason we call him a good Samaritan. And, and here's what you need to know. These guys were kind of, they were considered half-breeds. They were they were like mortal enemies, in a way, of, of those from Jerusalem and so, Jesus is making a point there, too, that the religious leaders in their own sect, they, they ignored the guy. But the guy who didn't ignore them was kind of this guy's enemy. And the good Samaritan stops by, takes care of the man. He, he, he takes care of his wounds. He washes those wounds. He puts him on his own uh, animal. He takes him to a local inn. He takes care of him for a while, and then he gives enough money to provide for this individual's care until he's healed up. Not only that, he said, look, if he needs more, I'm coming back by more. I'm going to give him more stuff so that he's taken care of even then. So this is the story that Jesus tells. And really, it really helps me understand the heart of what it means to be connected in a disconnected world, because it takes humility to look past our differences and say, I want to reach out to somebody. Now, there are some attitudes that we could have when we approach people who are different than us or people who are even that are very similar to us. One of those attitudes, and this really comes from a popular preacher named Roy Angel back in the 1950s. He, he said attitude number one is, what's yours is mine, and I'll take it. What's yours is mine, and I'll take it. That, that, that attitude says, look, whatever you have, I'm going to try to grab a hold of because there's only so much out there, and so I need to take my share. How many of you have ever been on a cruise before? Raise your hand if you've ever been on a cruise before. You ever seen the movie Wally, where Where there's all these people on a ship, you know, and they're like all like overweight and huge and entitled. You know what I mean? That's just like a cruise ship. I mean, really, it's just like a cruise ship because like you go in there and there's you can either eat at these little restaurants or you can eat at the cafe the cafe is like a smorgasbord everybody shows up and and at different times and while most of the people are respectful there are people in line and i mean i'm talking about there are so much food there i told lisa i was like Imagine this, there are 4,000 people on this ship right now, not including those who work here. And if every person here eats two eggs a day for this entire (laughs) cruise, I was like, this is like 50,000 eggs they have to pack on this thing. Not to mention the poundage of bacon. And, And there's like endless supplies of food. And like even then, there are people like, pardon me, excuse me. Like, hey, hey, bro. Like, you know, this is the omelet line, move. You know, I'm like, Guys there's a lot of food here it's okay you are not gonna starve I assure you what's yours is mine I'll take it some people feel that way number two what's mine is mine and I'll keep it that's the second attitude it's easy for all of us to say hey this is mine it's my stuff and I don't want to give it now, that, that we all can struggle with that from time to time, but I think when that really comes into play is when it comes to our time. When it comes to our time. Hey, it's my time, and therefore I don't want to give that time away. I, I only have so much, and so therefore I'm not going to give that to you. I'm going to keep that for me despite the fact that maybe somebody else has a need around you, despite the fact even in your own family there might be a relationship that needs to be built, there might need to be an agenda that is pushed aside so that you can then focus on that relationship? Attitude three is what's mine is yours, and I'll share it. William Barclay once said, In a world that is bent on getting, the Christian must be bent on giving because we know that we keep what we keep we lose, but what we give we have. And that should be our attitude. Regardless of our connection with the person, it doesn't matter if they're a total stranger or whether they're someone that you've known for years. A neighbor is not relegated to someone who looks like you or just acts like you, who lives where you live or has the same color skin you have. Our neighbor is anyone, especially anyone in need. A few years ago in California, more than 600 lawyer hopefuls were taking the state bar exam in the Pasadena Convention Center when a 50-year-old man taking the test suffered a heart attack. Only two of the 600 test takers stopped to help the man, John Leslie and Eunice Morgan. They administered CPR until the paramedics arrived, and, and they resumed then taking the exam. But citing policy, the test supervisor refused to allow the two additional time to make up for the 40 minutes that they spent helping out the victim. In fact, the State Bar Office of Admission backed the decision stating, if these two want to be lawyers, they should learn a lesson about priorities. It was covered in the San Francisco Bay Area newspaper, and the public outcry was so incredible, as you can imagine, that they forced the state board to change their mind. The two were finally permitted to take the test again, and the additional time was granted. Can you imagine? You see, in our world that's bent on getting, it's up to us to say that we're going to be the ones that don't worry about the agendas. We don't worry about the rules. We just simply say, let's reach out to those in love. And Jesus is reminding us that when we serve, we serve out of a motive for serving that's true, it's pure, it's authentic. Helen Keller once said, I long, to accomplish a, if, I long to accomplish a great and noble task, but it is my chief duty and joy to accomplish humble tasks as though they were great and noble. Jesus said it this way, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds. And praise what? Praise you? No. Praise your good deeds? Praise your church? No. Praise you, your Father in heaven. That's right. You see, that's what matters. And oftentimes we have a hard time letting our light shine. Because it it involves commitment. It, It involves getting involved. It involves saying, I know I have an agenda, but I want to take time to serve. In verse 36 and 37, Jesus said, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? It's a very simple question. The expert in the law the lawyer kind of mumbles, uh, are the one who had mercy on him. It's interesting to me in that, that the man who was being asked this question, and being told this by Jesus, he was not even willing to say the Samaritan. Why? That's how much he disdained the Samaritans. He had to say, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Now, based on that story, I want to give you just three words to keep in mind that allow us to really connect with people. And Word one is the word compassion. And I want to challenge you to think about that. Love means feeling compassion. The man had pity on him. He felt pity. He wasn't hard-hearted. We become so desensitized in our world we see on television uh, the um, ads or the information about uh, abortion and we no longer let it phase us we see children in need in poverty around the world we no longer feel for that we see things on social media and we don't have compassion for those things we, we are so used to seeing hardship at a distance but God created us with the capacity for compassion and he also created us with this innate need for relationships and so I think that breaking through the, the kind of disconnected world means that we begin to feel what other people feel. We begin to take time to see their needs. One of the people that does that great at our church is Caroline. I mean, you, you might even be, you might be having a bad day, and nobody else knows that, but suddenly Caroline will come up to you, and, and she'll just go, Hey, can I, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? And you go yeah you can pray for me but I'm fine you know and all of a sudden she's like I think you've got so-and-so in your life And you're like whoa you know like what what is happening here like that's exactly what I'm dealing with and suddenly you're like yeah my life is a mess you know Um, you know and then she'll pray for you why it takes discernment it takes noticing that someone has a need it takes noticing that when maybe you ask how you doing and they hesitate or they look down or they you know there's something there and you just say Oh, here's a great phrase instead of just saying how you doing just ask how you doing really how you doing really and suddenly it breaks through and you're able to say you know what this is what's happening in my life moving beyond the connection online moving to real relationships takes compassion John the Apostle writes in 2 John verse 12, I have much to write to you, but I don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit and talk to you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The first word is compassion. The second word is action. You see, love is not just a feeling of compassion. It's more than just feeling their pain or empathizing with them. It's an action. It's getting involved. You might feel pity, but you may not do anything about it. If you're married, it might mean taking a conscious step toward action. It might mean expressing compassion through scheduling that time together or deciding that you're going to communicate more than you have in the past. In a community group here at church, perhaps the application for you is from the story of the Good Samaritan is to say, we're going to break out of our normal us, for, and no more, or or kind of our our group that's kind of always kind of inward focused, and we're going to figure out a way to, to break out and to continue to invite people in whether it be people from church or people outside of church, figure out ways to say, hey, come join us, come to our house, come engage with us, come enjoy a relationship with us. And and that might be a way to apply this in your life. The challenge for us as a church is to continue to move beyond the surface, to move beyond the, we just want to be a friendly church. To, we want to be a relational church. Well, we don't want to be known as a friendly church, we want to be known as a relational church, a church that, that actually looks to the deeper needs that, that walks with someone in a time of trouble, who celebrates with someone in a time of great joy, who builds those relationships. And I I think this church really does that well. It's kind of the heart of who we've always been. Ann Ortman, in her book, Uplift Worship, says the average church is too much like a bag of marbles. They scratch against one one another. They make noise, but they really don't affect each other. Ortman says the church should be more like a bag of grapes that mesh together, producing a sweet-tasting wine. Because of the interaction. Both inside the walls and outside the walls, we should figure out ways to say, how can I create an action? How can I have an action that says, I love you, want to serve you, want to care for you, want to be compassionate toward you in the midst of hard or difficult times or in times of joy. There is incredible, beautiful value in relationships. And the third word is the word self-sacrifice love is not just an action it is actually sacrificing yourself the man actually risked his life he didn't know if there were other robbers that were there to also beat him up he was overcoming social barriers and racial barriers here as he reached out to this individual and he was just trying to communicate that that it's not about me it's about self-sacrifice it's not about my agenda i mean we are so caught up in our own schedules aren't we and, and I, believe, believe me, I have had moments where I can be um, very impatient. I, I can go to a, a fast food restaurant. That was sort of the bane of my existence for a long time. Poor service at fast food restaurants or other restaurants. And, and uh, like, I would go and, like, I mean, I would want to reorganize the entire, like, service line. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, hey, look, just, um, you know, why don't you, like, go over there and do this? Like, I'll just take that sandwich right there because it's already ready. I've been here for, like, 15 minutes. Like, hey, why don't I, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm ready to, like, lead the whole deal. And um, and uh, this this week, we are the very first thing that happened when we landed in Miami. We uh, we had a hotel that and th- that had a shuttle. We we're going to take the shuttle. I didn't get a rental car. We we're just going to take the shuttle and then an Uber over the next morning. And, and I should have called Uber, but I was like, I oh, will just take the shuttle, be fine. And uh, I called them right away, even before we got a baggage claim. Hey, uh, we're at door 17. Can you uh, come pick us? Oh, yeah, we'll be there. He comes every half hour. Well, that was great because that was like 10 minutes until like the half hour. I was like, this will be perfect. And and I'll call, like, we'll be there. We're standing out line by door 17. There comes Sheraton. There comes the Hilton. No sleep in. No sleep in. Nowhere to be found. About 10 minutes after, I, go, I call him up. I go, hey, uh, listen, we're out here at door 17. Just want you to know we're standing out here and— um, like 10 minutes past the time. Oh, okay. He'll be there. He'll be there. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. You know, there it goes. You know, Fairfield, Marriott, Sheraton again, Hilton again. I'm like, okay. Now we're about 20 more minutes. I call back. Hey, uh, listen, we're, we're still standing out here and we've already missed that one time and he, he didn't come. Oh, that's right. I forgot to tell you. He just went on break just prior to like, I'm like, okay we could have said that a minute ago but oh, all right all right that's fine we'll just keep waiting here and and uh i mean i'm in my mind i'm thinking i mean can't you eat a sandwich on the road i mean i mean like how many drive why do you only have one driver i mean like i'm processing all this. like i mean i've seen the sheridan man like four times already this is ridiculous 15 minutes 20 minutes go by i'm like well the lord's really testing me today i'm like man um Hey, uh, listen, it's been like 40 minutes. We're still standing out here waiting on the van. Oh, he's not done yet. He's just sitting over here still eating. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, well, last time I ever come to sleep in. It's ridiculous. And i like, okay, but that's fine. I'm just not, I'm not saying anything. I'm just, now listen, guys, listen. I, in these moments, I can, I'm not saying, I can be very direct like I can be super brilliant in these moments like like words come to my mind in these moments that I should you know like I'm saying like I could be like very like pointed I'm like all right it's no problem like I'll just wait you know we don't have really anywhere to go I don't have to catch a boat right now like that's not till tomorrow we're gonna go to IHOP later anyway it's fine you know it's fine we will just sit here and wait an hour passes hey we're still out here He's like, uh, oh, he's just finishing his break. I'm like, my gosh, how long does it take to have a break? Like, this is I need that job. This is crazy. I didn't say that. I just wait. Finally, at like an hour and 10 minutes come by, and I held all the things that I wanted to say. Thank you for getting my luggage. I appreciate that. Now, I couldn't quite hold. When I got on the van, I, I said to the other passengers, how long have you all waited? One guy was like 15 minutes. One guy was like 20. One guy was like, I've been waiting an hour. I was like, wow, an hour and a half, that's really crazy. So I didn't say anything else. We get to the hotel, I'm like, sleep in. Now, I had a lot of things I wanted to say. I will never stay and sleep in ever again, you know. Um, When I get there on Sunday morning, I'm going to use the name sleep in ten times so my church knows never to go to this hotel (laughs) ever in Miami. I didn't tell him that, even though I just did it. Finally, uh, after, I just told the guys, like, hey, listen, is it your customary? process to have your customers wait for an hour and 10 minutes oh i'm really sorry sir i said that's okay now i've had a lot of moments in my life that have been much more impatient than that i have gotten it wrong far often than what i have gotten it right but but here's what here's what i don't like i, I think as believers in jesus there are there are just times where where we where where, where we should i mean we, we should be an example here but, but I see believers in Jesus going off on all kinds of different things on social media, have the same entitlement mentality as the rest of the world. I mean, shouldn't we rise above that? Shouldn't we have an idea? We don't want to be walked over, right? We don't, we don't want that. We, we need, it's time to stand up for sometimes some things. But there are other times where that poor employee on the other end of the phone or that poor person at the other end of that line, they didn't have anything to do with this, and they certainly don't deserve your wrath. I just think there's a balance there. Self-sacrifice your own time, your own agenda for, for other things. Maybe God's providing an opportunity for you to serve someone in a moment that you didn't expect, but you're too caught up in the moment to even notice the people around you. James Hewitt, in his book of illustrations and true stories, tells about a flight from Denver to Wichita. The last person to board the plane was a 225-pound man carried on a stretcher. They cradled him in the seat in front of this man. It was evident that he was totally paralyzed from the shoulders down. They strapped him in tightly. But as the plane taxied down the runway, the force lurched him to the right, causing him to fall forward to the next seat. And the flight attendant had to come by and re-prop him back up. And soon they began serving drinks and then the meal. And this author wrote, As I finished my meal, I looked up to see the paralyzed gentleman, probably 27 years of age, with a meal sitting before him and nobody to feed him. My eyes filled with tears. The flight attendants were busy serving food to other passengers. But here was a person traveling alone and no one to help him. All he could do was stare at his food. Before I could wipe the tears from my eyes, I slipped out of my seat to his side, asked if I could help. He responded very gratefully. As I cut the meat into bite-sized pieces and placed them in his mouth, I felt awkward but needed. He told me about his accident, his loneliness, his joys, his struggles, his faith, his hope. His name was Bill. Our spirits blended. Upon returning to my seat, my spirit was humbled as I thought of all the people who have had the good news of the gospel set in front of them. It's available, but nobody to feed them. Crippled with spiritual and psychological paralysis and no one to offer them help. My spirit flowed to the words. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And when Peter answered, yes, Lord, I love you, Jesus said, feed my sheep. It's our job to say, how can we love you in a way that will then offer us an opportunity to give the gospel to them. Regardless of inconvenience or our own schedule, how do we figure out ways to build bridges with people? I am a, uh, I'm an extrovert by nature. I really do like people. Um, but there are times when I would like to just kind of be on my own, right? And, uh, and, and that, that happened this week when we were on the cruise. We went to this little noodle bar and it was like an asian kind of a restaurant and the seats were different it wasn't tables there were long bars with they really were kind of narrow and and you were kind of seated across some people but we went at a time of day where we were coming off of an excursion and there weren't many people back in the boat yet and and so we got there and and i noticed that the place was pretty empty and but when we asked to be seated I, i i saw she was taking us to the seat With another couple right there And I was like, oh no, oh no We don't want to go right there I mean, put us anywhere else So we can just spend time with each other Let's just have casual conversation with each other I really don't want to have awkward conversation with people I don't know, right now ever been in those moments? They sat us right across from this couple I mean, the man was like, it was this narrow table He was literally like right here And his wife was right there and Lisa's right here And I'm like, and for a few moments I tried to avoid the obvious i just looked at lisa i was just talking to her like how's it going you know what are we gonna order you know so on and so forth and the dude's just sitting right here well it wasn't very long i was like looked up and i think lisa broke the ice and made the first conversation with her and then she started talking and they started having a little conversation and there's the dude you know i'm like suddenly i'm on a double date that i didn't ask for you know like and here we are across from each other and 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 now we're talking to one another and now we're asking about well, what do you do for a living and you know tell me about your kids your grandkids and at first I, I really didn't care that much i just wanted to order my noodles eat and have privacy but then there was something that kind of beautiful that kind of happened this this couple one in their 60s one in their uh, 50s together just were the funniest couple they, they were so engaging. They said so many things. I never I didn't laugh harder than that the entire week. I, I laughed more during that conversation with them or watching them banter with each other than I had the entire week. And we enjoyed fellowship with each other, and, and we learned they're from Georgia, and they are this just lovely, like, African-American couple, and they have these grandkids, and they were telling us about all of them. And eventually, I ended up telling them about what we did. I mean, it took him took about... 25 minutes to ask what I did for a living. You know, I was like, I'm a pastor. Oh, a pastor. Okay, great. And I wasn't sure how he was going to react to that. Okay, great. Dinner over. You know, or be like, oh, okay, let's talk. And, and he ends up looking me up online. And he's like, there you guys. You guys recognize them. And it was me and Lisa online. And he's like, I want to Hey, if we're ever. We ended up the conversation. I was like, if you're ever in Cincinnati, you can stay at our house. Hey, listen, if you come to Detroit, just stop at our house. We'd love to have you over for dinner. And told him about our book that's coming out in a couple weeks. Oh, I got to get one of those. And God changed an awkward moment because of some, just the ability to say, let, all right, let's just break the ice here. And God made something beautiful come out of that. And my, my, my thought is, how many times are we too caught up in our own kind of world, our own desire to just kind of separate, that we miss the beautiful thing that God has right in front of us? How many times in your life? And sometimes it's right in our home. Sometimes it's with our own family. Sometimes it's with those who are closest to us. And sometimes it's with those that you need to see, but you can't see because of your agenda. God help us to have a heart of compassion that says regardless of our agenda, we'll be like the Good Samaritan. We'll overcome racial, gender, barriers, time barriers. And we'll be willing to say, I want to connect in a disconnected way. God, we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your grace and mercy. And God, we just thank you for teaching us what it means to be like the Good Samaritan, to overcome barriers, to say, how can we look past and we can simply look for the kind of beautiful union that you want between between humans? And God, we just pray for that, that that would continue to be our spirit as a church. And we ask that in the name of Jesus.